This is Cup of Tea, You're Not Everyone's Photographer, written and narrated by me, Christina Fenner. You can't always be everyone's cup of tea. We've all heard this before, right? We've probably heard it when our mom was consoling us when we weren't invited to get ready for a dance with a certain group of girls, or we've heard this from our girlfriend when we were complaining about that passive-aggressive coworker who ends her emails with shit like, kindest regards even though she was the biggest twat that ever were. We usually hear this phrase when dealing with difficult social interactions and experiences, but today I'm talking about when this concept applies to your business, service, offering, or product. And let me tell you, it sucks. I'm sharing my own take on how to deal with, accept, and move on from not being someone's cup of tea, or better yet, someone's not choice for a photographer. It's happened to me a lot over the past 10 years. I've been ghosted, I've been burnt, I've been canceled on, you name it, it sucks every single time. As many small business owners, I take my work so personally. It's become a part of my identity and something that I defend and stand behind indefinitely. So when someone doesn't like my work, it can be hard not to take it personally. Learning to define and accept the lines of just business and a personal matter has been one of the hardest and most valuable lessons that I've learned in the past 10 years. Trust me, I have been devastated when I didn't book a certain wedding. Ones that I thought that I totally had in the bag because either we were friends or because I really thought we vibed well and I was looking forward to actually working with them. Or ones that I had previously photographed one of their family members' weddings and thought surely I'd get their wedding too. And then they ghosted me. I'll cut right to the chase and say that the ones that I thought I'd book because we were friends hurt the most, but they were also the most valuable in the learning process. People don't book or buy things for many, many reasons, but I want to break down the three main reasons you're likely to face in the service industry. The cost. Yep, too expensive. There isn't much negotiating room here, and quite frankly, it's a very black and white matter. Your service does not fit within their allotted budget. Now, before I go any further, I want to make myself loud and clear when I say that price is different than value. This is not the time to be second-guessing whether or not your prices are too high. A price is a factual number, while value is a subjective opinion. For example, I don't think that Lululemon leggings are worth 100 bucks. But that's not going to change the fact that Lululemon will still continue to sell $100 leggings. It's also not going to prevent other people from believing that the leggings are worth $100 and continue to buy them. In some cases, you're going to be out of someone's price range or price justification. And that's okay. You are not trying to be a Walmart. Next, they are just browsing and not ready to commit. Ah, yes, the browsers. They shoot you an email, want to know everything there is to know, and they ask a bunch of questions, which naturally gets you thinking that they are super interested in investing in your services. You get all hyped up, send them all the info, and then poof, they're gone without warning. They leave you on red, and now you're second-guessing why you're even in business in the first place. Before you tear up your DBA and throw it into the trash, hear me when I say that this is a very normal and common thing. Some brides want to explore all options and ask all questions, but aren't exactly ready to whip out their checkbook to anyone just yet. Don't take this personally whatsoever. 
Of course, it's part of our job to answer questions and communicate our offerings clearly, so don't get defeated when you don't land that client right away. But instead, appreciate the interest and move on. My best advice if you're struggling with this is to make sure that you are providing as much information about your services on your website as possible. Keep it clear and direct so potential clients know exactly what they can expect if they do wish to book with you. Surprisingly, this is often a big debate within the wedding industry, and I see a lot of photographers who think that it's super taboo to have prices or specifics listed on their website. Personally, I don't buy into that, and I found it extremely annoying when I was on the hunt for my own wedding vendors. I prefer to browse and investigate quietly, and then if I am interested based on the information I found on their website, I will happily reach out. But if I feel like it's some secret scavenger hunt just to see what their starting price is, I'm out. This transparency of information allows me to accommodate all kinds of browsers or potential clients so they can all find the info that I know they're looking for quickly. And it has cut back significantly on the amount of ghosting that I've experienced. Those who do end up contacting me are ones that already have all or most of the information they need to make a decision. And most of them are ready to take the next step. If you want to see how I implement this on my website, go to www.christinafennerphotography.com. Lastly, they don't vibe with you. Listen, I'm just going to say it. Some people just aren't going to be your biggest fan for no reason or fault of your own. It's fact that sometimes we just don't connect with or vibe with certain people, even if we can't exactly explain why. We all know that there's that one influencer on Instagram or girl on The Bachelor that we just can't stand. It happens, and it certainly makes it difficult when we're trying to define the lines of just business and personal. Trust me when I say that you do not want to work with someone who you don't click with, period. I have morphed, flexed, and discounted my prices to be someone's perfect fit before, and every time it ended up being a wedding or a client that I wish I had never booked. Sure, being flexible and accommodating is day one textbook shit when it comes to running a service-based business. But I can promise you, if it feels off or forced in the early stages, recognize it. Because that paycheck is not worth the agony that you're likely to endure. Practice honing in on those clients who you just know are your people, also known as your ideal clientele. The best way to do this? Start being selective and saying no when you see those red flags pop up during the early inquiry stages. Work with people who you enjoy working with, the people who light you up and who make your job not feel like work, and keep doing it over and over and over again. I know when you're early in business, any business is good business, especially because we're often in the scarcity mindset thinking something like, if I don't book this client, I don't know when I'll get the next one. And while I do think that this is a necessary evil that we all endure while growing our baby business, you always want to keep your end game and ideal clientele in mind as you move that needle forward. Like attracts like, and I swear that shit's for real. So now you may be thinking, all right, well, knowing maybe why they didn't book me doesn't exactly make me feel any better. And I get that. So here's my best advice for those times when we do get ghosted. First, Don't ask why. After someone decides not to hire you, it can be tempting to follow up and ask them why. However, I strongly suggest avoiding this altogether. People don't like to feel confronted or to be made to feel uncomfortable. And no matter how you approach this question, 
it's likely going to be a 10 out of 10 awkward for the other person, especially if the client can't afford your services, which is usually the most common reason we do get ghosted. Nobody wants to say, hey, thanks, but your prices are too high for me. They would much rather just say nothing at all. So let them. However, if they do give you an answer on why they didn't book, it will be really hard for you not to take whatever they say personally, even if you promise yourself you won't. And it'll be even harder not to respond with a reason, follow-up, or justification. Or better yet, offer a discounted price in hopes of changing their mind. I know that your intentions are good here, and you're not trying to make anyone feel awkward or uncomfortable. You just want to do better for yourself and your business. And for that, I commend you. But there's definitely a better way. If you're looking for some helpful, constructive criticism, then ask for feedback from a client that you did actually book. After the session is done, I encourage you to reach out with something like, Hey, I really enjoyed our time together and loved working with you. As you know, I am just starting out and I am focused on continuing to provide a great experience for my future clients. That being said, if you feel inclined, I would really appreciate any input you may have on anything that I could improve the next time I book my client. Thanks so much. Never use the word criticism or critique. Words like input, recommendations, suggestions, or ideas are a much more positive and less threatening verbiage. Next, don't follow up. This is my golden rule when it comes to booking clients. This is also another highly debatable opinion within the service industry, but one I stand by strongly. I never follow up with potential clients to see if they have any questions or if they have made a decision. A lot of this comes from my own preference as a customer. I hate feeling pressured, pushed, or feeling like someone is just waiting on an answer from me. Hear me when I say that if they want to book you, they will, on their own time. Trust me, no one is more concerned with or focused on booking vendors than the bride herself. She has not forgotten that she needs to find a wedding photographer, and you don't need to remind her. Also, we have no idea what's going on in other people's lives. Shit comes up, finances need to be in order, all kinds of things. They will book you if they want to and when they are ready. And they do not owe you an explanation. I know this all sounds a little harsh, but it's the truth. And if you're listening to this, I'm guessing that's what you came here for. The opposing side to this argument suggests that by following up, you're letting the potential client know that you value them and their business so much that you just have to pop into their inbox once again to make sure they didn't forget to ask you a question or forget to put the check in the mail. Bullshit. I don't buy into this. If they have a question or they're ready to pay a retainer, they will have no hesitation doing so. Listen, I know that your intentions are innocent when you want to follow up, but sadly, this new age of the consumer industry and quite frankly, the rise of MLM companies has made it normal and acceptable for sellers to bombard people and flood their inboxes uninvitingly. I don't hate on anyone's hustle, but that doesn't mean that I agree with pushy sales tactics either. Relax. If someone wants to buy something, they will contact you. They know where to find you, and make no mistake, this concept absolutely applies to the service industry as well. Now, of course, to every rule, there is always an exception. The only exception in my book is when I get two inquiries for the same date. Bride A reaches out first, I send her the info, and she's on her way. Two days later, Bride B reaches out asking for info about the same date. Now, before I even respond to Bride B, I reach out to Bride A and say, Hey, 
I'm reaching out to let you know that I've received an inquiry for your date and wanted to make sure that you had first dibs if you were still interested since you reached out first. I'm happy to hold the date for you for 48 hours. Please let me know if you have any questions. Short, sweet, and to the point. If she is interested, she will get on that shit ASAP. If not, then move on. While I do encourage you to use this method, remember that you cannot abuse it. Don't ever lie and say that you received an inquiry when you didn't just to get an answer from a potential client. Lastly, don't critique the work they didn't hire you for. This one is hard. You're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and then all of a sudden you see your almost client post photos that you didn't take. Ouch. Immediately you're going to be bummed and start picking apart every little thing about these photos that the other photographer took. It's natural and sometimes it feels like we can't even control it. To be honest, I still find myself thinking WTF when I see an almost client pop up on another photographer's newsfeed. Don't let yourself play into it. Over the years, I've taught myself to quickly recognize the spiral that I'm about to go into and I hit that X button. It doesn't do any good for you to let yourself dwell and overthink on why they didn't book you. Yes, it stings, especially if that almost client is a friend. No, you won't forget it, but don't give it any light or life. Move on and continue to share your wins and post the beautiful photos of the people who did book you. That's my only advice for this because that's the best advice. Bonus, get a non-refundable retainer and don't ever refer to it as a deposit. Be prepared because I love to nerd out on this type of business stuff. All right, so you didn't get ghosted and now someone is ready to book. Before you break out into your happy dance, there's one more step. Remember, people who pay, pay attention. Say it again. You must hold yourself and others accountable to the second golden rule. All the time, people will say shit like, oh my god, yes, I'd love to have you photograph my wedding. I love your work. You're amazing, etc. But it doesn't mean shit unless they are financially committed to you and your services. Harsh? No, it's good business. Early on in my business, I felt so uncomfortable asking for money before I actually did anything. I quickly learned that a non-refundable retainer is a necessity and extremely common within the service industry because there's only one of you that can perform your services. You are committing your services for X date, which negates the opportunity for you to perform any other services on that date. Especially in the wedding industry, brides are booking one and a half years out from the date. So by accepting a non-refundable retainer, you are protecting and compensating yourself if the wedding gets canceled. Let's say that you book a wedding a year out, and then five months before the date, they cancel. The likelihood of you booking another wedding for that exact date is slim to none. Trust me, been there, done that. Your time and their name on your calendar is worth something. Now, whatever amount you choose for a retainer is up to you to decide. Some photographers require a percentage, while others require a flat fee. Now, let's talk about why you should never use the word deposit. Legally, the term deposit implies that the money that the client put down can be refunded if the services are not rendered on the agreed-upon date, even if you put the word non-refundable in front of deposit. Now, the term non-refundable retainer, however, is legally sound, and you are not under any obligation to refund the retainer because the money they put down is retaining your services. Therefore, you're holding up your end of the bargain by committing your services for their date, no matter if they decide to cancel or not. Now, quick little disclaimer, 
I am not a lawyer, nor am I qualified to give legal jargon advice. This is what I have implemented in my own business, which I'm choosing to share with you. Moving on, I know that this is a hard pill to swallow, especially in the early stages of business. Almost 10 years later, it does get easier because I have a greater understanding that by not being everyone's photographer, I'm opening myself and my calendar up to be readily available to my perfect fit clients, the ones who get me, the ones who don't question my pricing, the ones who see my value and don't mind that I swear on Instagram stories. They get me. There is no CFP without Christina. I know that I am my biggest asset to my work and I want to serve my clients to my best ability. And some of that does entail saying no to potential clients that I know that I'm not the right fit for. This has nothing to do with being bougie or exclusive. I've worked with my fair share of clients who I wasn't a good match for, and I'm 100% confident in saying that I am doing them a disservice by booking them when I know that we're not right for each other. I've talked a lot about ideal or perfect fit clients, and the harder and longer you work at defining what that means for you, the less and less inquiries you will receive from those who do not fit within those parameters. I strongly believe in the law of attraction and have based much of my business around the concept of like attracts like. Now, before you write me off as some witchcraft fanatic, I suggest reading the book Tribes by Seth Godin. And you let me know how many potions you're brewing up in your cauldron. To wrap this up, here are some now funny reasons I didn't get booked. Number one, a bride didn't book me because she didn't want her photos to look like, quote, pretty much everyone else's wedding photos lately, end quote. I'd photographed quite a few of her friends' weddings, and she wanted her wedding to be different and stand out. That was her choice, and I can't fault her for that. Sure, I laughed when I heard this, but hey, I'm taking it as a compliment. Number two, I curse too much on Instagram. Well, I can't say she's wrong, but it's who I am. And yes, I assure you, I do know how to hold my tongue at a wedding day and act professional. Come on now. I'm not some heathen. But hey, if that's something uncomfortable for her, I can't blame her. And I would never want someone to book me and then be worried that I might let an F-bomb slip out in front of Nana during family formals. Number three, I wear sneakers to weddings. Again, not wrong. This bride wanted a black tie affair and didn't think I, quote, looked the part. I do wear my CFP blue sneakers to weddings and so does my second shooter, Ashley. It's become part of the CFP uniform and hey, If that's not part of your wedding day vibe, then I suggest finding some other miserable photographer in heels. Number four, she thought the colors in my photos are too bright and I refuse to change my editing style for her wedding photos. It's CFP after all. I love vibrancy and I love golden light. Not much room for negotiation here. If you don't like the style of someone's work, then of course you shouldn't book them. And lastly, number five, she didn't like me back in high school. Yeah, well, again, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And who wants to work with someone they don't like anyway? I can't say I blame her for not hiring me if she didn't like me. Period. In closing, I encourage you to remember your end game. You want to be as readily available for your perfect fit clients. Take advantage of the fact that you have the ability and the power to create your own brand, style, and be the kind of creative that you want to be. If you want to wear blue sneakers to weddings, then wear them. Believe that your people are out there because trust me, they are. Always cheering you on, Christina.